It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we're going to break down the film of the newest New York Jet, Morgan Moses, who is going to be the new starting right tackle. Signs a one-year deal that could be worth up to $5.3 million. It is rare that you get a starting caliber player at that position this late in the game, but the Jets were able to pull it off. Really excited about it, and I know that my guest is too, and that's why he's here to break down the film. That, of course, is Luke Grant, our guy over at playlikeajet.com. The Thunder from Down Under. Been doing great work on videos, including a couple of them on Morgan Moses. So I'm glad that he could come on to talk about Morgan Moses' film. Luke, what's up, buddy? Hey, Scott. How are you going? Uh, exciting couple of days for Jets fans, for sure. I know you and I discussed it a fair bit, and we're really happy that, that they decided to finally bring Morgan Moses on board. So I'm looking forward to jumping into some of that today. Yeah, for sure, man. I am really excited because, listen, George Fant was okay last year, but as I said when we did the Breaking News podcast, George Fant really was just a passable starting tackle. Morgan Moses is a good starting tackle. Not great. I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying he's a leader or anything like that, but a good starting tackle, right tackle for Washington the last seven years, very durable, and we got into that on the show when we broke the news, but I want to dive into his film a little bit here. Luke, break down his pass protection for me, if you could. From what you've seen, what stands out to you both positively and negatively? I think off the bat, the thing that kind of surprised me the most, to give people some context, the first thing I did was jump into the tape against TJ Watt, against Miles Garrett, and against Shaq Barrett. You want to see these guys against the cream of the crop and the elite pass rushes. So they were the three games that I put on first. I couldn't believe how often Washington just left him on an island. They didn't chip tight ends or keep them in line. There wasn't a lot of help from backs. They trusted Morgan Moses against the best pass rushers in the NFL off the edge one-on-one. Now, did he win every single matchup? Did it look perfect? No, of course not. These are you know guys who get paid a lot of money to do what they do. Um, but was really effective in standard dropbacks. So Washington, not a lot of play action once Alex Smith got in the lineup last year. A lot of straight three- and five-step drops. Look, he gets out of his stance really well for a big guy. He's, he's kind of kick-step in first two steps. He travels very well, covers a lot of the ground. Um, he has the arm length you want at right tackle. And then he's got a lot of power. I think that's the thing that probably jumped out to me the most. Um, his ability to, to be heavy with his hand usage in pass pro, uh, to understand leverage battle, uh, to get people on the ground. Those numerous occasions against TJ Watt and against Shaq Barrett in particular where he managed to get them on the floor in pass pro. Um, lacks a little bit of bend around the edge at times, can stop his feet, 
uh, when they're kind of bending around the corner and has a little trouble with speed rushes. But all in all, I watched about 80 true pass sets of his in those three games I mentioned, Scott, and I was incredibly impressed across the board. As you mentioned, look, they're not getting a top five tackle, but this is a huge upgrade over what George Fant was in 2020. Stylistically, how does he shake out pass blocking wise? The first thing I always say is if you can pass block, you can play in any system. Uh, I would say that he's better against power rushes, but has more than enough capability to handle guys around the edge. Um, He's a guy you can leave on an island like Washington did. And in pass pro in this system with play action and and those kind of looks, it's only going to help him. It's going to make those defenders and those edges value the run game, make sure they're defending against it and give him help in that way that he didn't receive when he was playing on the football team last year. Uh, I I would just say, Scott, he's very solid around the board. He's not a guy that's going to flash and show that kind of athleticism that some people expect in this outside zone kind of scheme. Um, But he's a good enough athlete. I like his feet. His hands jumped out to me a lot when he can lock up. He does a fantastic job engaging the defensive linemen and then kind of keeping them in that battle. And his anchor is pretty good. I think there's a few times that he got sent backwards and got... uh, troubled by some speed to power rushes and guys that got to his chest but i'd say his anchor is above average so all in all just a really well-rounded tackle and and someone that's going to be really useful here in the in the new system in new york let's talk a little bit about his run blocking what'd you see there because when you look at the numbers it appears that he's a better run blocker than pass blocker not saying that he's a bad pass blocker but just that he tends to score higher as a run blocker You prefer a guy who's better as a pass blocker, but if somebody's above average at both, that's something that you'd be very happy with because it's not generally the case with a lot of these guys, especially players that aren't elite. Guys that are just good, usually, okay, he's really good at one thing and he's passable at best at the other, but in this case, we have somebody who is above average in both categories and really, really strong, at least in terms of scorers, as a run blocker. What'd you see when you looked at his tape? Look, I, I just kind of prefaced it then, Scott. Mobility isn't an issue, but it's also not his biggest strength. So he's not a Mike McGlinchey in San Francisco or someone like that. He's not a Colton Miller. But there's enough athleticism there. They do a lot of different things in the run game, a little bit of outside zone, a little bit of inside zone in Washington. Um, there was a fair few man-blocking schemes as well. But there was some tape against Cleveland that stood out to me where he was climbing and getting to the second level and his ability to seal block and then displace people at the line of scrimmage It again comes back to that power, uh, the understanding of leverage and his ability to use his length. He's able to push guys back four or five yards in the line of scrimmage in those man-blocking schemes. But I think, yeah, what I was looking for when I looked at the running game was, can he work out in space? What's his short area quickness and movement skills like? He's got enough knee bend and flex there. So I don't think there's going to be an issue in this scheme at all. Look, he's... You look at Mackay Beckton on the other side of the line. He's a 365-pound-plus athlete. While Moses isn't that big, I'd say they move in a pretty similar manner. Uh, They may not be ideal fits, but you can do a lot of things running behind those two guys on either side of the line. You touched on the scheme and how he's going to fit theoretically, both in run-blocking and pass-blocking situations. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. I think the way this game, this team is going to run the football with the outside zone is primarily the backs are reading outside the tackle's shoulder. So for Moses, it'll be his right tackle. They're going to ask him not so much to reach block, but to get out in space, uh, find a guy and then drive him 
where he finds him is kind of the, the terminology that John Benton uses. So uh, that's what he's going to be asked to do in the run game. And I think he's going to have no issues with that. He has enough mobility, but he also has uh, the speed to power conversion. Um, so uh, that's not going to be an issue for him. He'll be able to displace people uh, and then drive them out of the out of the picture. So I think he's going to be very effective in that. As far as the passing game, um, look, pass protection is pass protection for the most part. I think, as I mentioned, you're going to see more play action here, sell the run, uh, and then kind of drop back from there. But uh, look, I think this guy could play in any system. Is he the ideal fit here in New York? Probably not, but he can definitely handle uh, what Lafleur is going to ask him to do. And and I don't really have any questions around that. I think. What people need to remember is this is a guy that, as you mentioned at the top, Scott, is super durable. He's played 16 games the last six years. He started every single game. Um, and not only did the Jets upgrade the right tackle spot, but they've also upgraded at swing tackle, which is going to be huge, especially with some injury concerns around Mackay Becton on the left side of the line. So you think that they took a look at Morgan Moses and said, clear upgrade, definitely a guy you can plug right in at right tackle in this system and be somebody that can make a difference. And like you said, George Fant now becomes expensive insurance from a Kai Becton. But you think that's what the thought process was for them when they went out and got Morgan Moses. It makes sense on the surface. And then when you just broke down the way that he would fit in this system, it makes even more sense. People got a little carried away with George Fant's cap number. The Jets still have 30 plus million after they sign their last few rookies. It'll end up around $20 million in cap space. George Fant is a valuable piece because you get injuries along the offensive line. And having one of the best five swing tackles in football is a hell of a lot better than having the 25th best right tackle. So a huge upgrade there. Moses is definitely the starter. I know some people have kind of hinted at maybe it might be a competition. If Moses plays anywhere near the level he has the last couple of years, he's definitely going to be the guy here. To give you kind of some context around the numbers, against Barrett and Watt, there was 47 total pass sets. That's without play action or screens. That's just drop back passes. He allowed four QB hurries, only three QB hits. It was something like a 12 or 13% pressure rate. If you look at those guys on the season, speaking about Watt and Barrett, they average 16 and 19% respectively, and that's pressures per per uh, per snap. So he did a great job holding the best of the best to below what they're used to uh, used to doing as far as pressures in the NFL. So I think it's really exciting to upgrade those two spots is huge. You upgrade left guard in the draft through Elijah Vera Tucker, and I think this unit is finally heading in the right direction, something we really haven't seen since we went on those runs in the, uh, the late 2000s. Luke, can you talk a little bit about how he's going to fit with the other pieces on this line? We know that Becton will start, and then, as you said, Fant will step in if Becton has injury problems. And then you look at center and guard. We know that Connor McGovern is going to be the starting center. Elijah Vera Tucker should be penciled in as the left guard. We don't know for sure who the right guard's going to be. Could be Cam Clark. Could be Greg Van Roten. Could be Alex Lewis. Could even be Mr. Fee. Could be any of those guys, theoretically. But how do you think that Moses fits as a piece with those guys on this line? I think he fits really well. First thing I'll say is when you're looking at the offensive line, you always look at the weakest spots because you can have four great linemen, but if you have one letting in eight pressures a game, then it's going to be detrimental to every single player on the line. I think we saw that with Connor McGovern last year. I think his play suffered because of number one, the scheme that Gase was running, but number two, the guards around him. I think number one, he'll come in and he'll help Greg Van Roten or Cam Clark or whoever plays there. He's an experienced guy, a good communicator, a leader in the locker room. 
and he's also a much better player than George Fan. That's going to help that right guard that right guard spot off the rip. So that's really pleasing, and I think that's still our weakest spot along the line. So assisting in any way that position is going to be a huge win for us. And then, although a little off topic, I think Connor McGovern's the guy who's going to be helped out the most by the scheme change. This is a really similar offense and particular run game to what he did in Denver. And I thought he was a top 10 center when he signed here. Disappointing to start last year, but I think he's going to really thrive. So if you're now looking at a defensive line where Morgan Moses is a top 10, top 15 right tackle, Becton in the same ilk, and then you're getting above average play from McGovern and you're hoping the same from Elijah Vera Tucker, that's when this whole thing starts to go get rolling and you start to establish the run game, the play action off it. And that's really what Lafleur is trying to establish here in New York. So I guess to sum it up, I think Moses fits really well with the group. Uh, seems like a really good off-field guy and he's just a hard worker. He's durable and uh, he's going to be a, an upgrade there at right tackle. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Luke, I know you recently watched a really long video of John Benton, who is going to be the offensive line coach for the Jets, talking about his strategy and different nuances. Did you learn anything from watching that that applies here to Morgan Moses? There was a lot to take away from the Benton video, to be honest. I already mentioned that he doesn't really reach block and things like that. That more will affect the, uh, the guards and those kind of players. I think the best thing for him is his slight lack of mobility or ideal mobility for this system, it's going to be washed away somewhat by the way the Benton coaches. So instead of getting out to the, you know, the Will linebacker, Will linebacker on his side of the formation and trying to reach and seal and making sure you get your hips around and things like that, his job becomes a lot easier because he can just get his head to the outside number and drive right through and get him off the spot and drive him into the backfield. So by simplifying the techniques that Benton uses in his system, I think that's going to make it a lot easier for not only Moses, but for Becton on the other side of the line as well. So that's definitely something that jumped out to me off the rip. I thought uh, Benton's philosophy there was really good. And when you have these powerful athletes who can also move a little bit, that's going to be a big assistance to him. So that was probably my biggest takeaway. Um, other than that, it's very similar to what we've seen in the wide zone schemes. Uh, but I, I think that's the thing that's going to help Morgan Moses the most. Luke, after this signing, you made a video that can be watched right now on our YouTube channel. And if you haven't subscribed to that yet, you really should. Because not only is the video I'm about to talk about on there, but so are the videos that Luke talked about earlier with Morgan Moses and all the snaps against TJ Watt all the snaps against Shaquille Barrett too. So if you want to watch him against two of the league's best edge rushers, every single pass rush snap, it's up there on our Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. But Luke, I wanted to ask you about the video you made where you discussed the possibility of the Jets having a top 15 offensive line. Is your conclusion that at least on paper, the Jets could be a top 15 offensive line? And if so, why do you feel that way? Look, it's pretty early in the offseason, Scott, but if you made me say exactly where I think the Jets will fall coming into 2021, I'd say they're somewhere between 12th and 15 right now, which is obviously a huge leap from where the Jets have been the last two or three years. I guess the main reasons I feel like that are twofold. 
I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, you look at most offensive lines and you look for the weak links. And when I, when I had to look through some of the lines in the NFL, I went, really, that guy's starting? That guy's playing left guard for this team? Like, they can't do any better than that? This guy's graded out poorly the last two years. And, man, he's a backup caliber player. There just aren't enough linemen to go around in the league right now. A lot of that's due to the way that college football has been played, the spread, the RPOs and things like that. They get to the league and it's a huge transition for them. I think the Jets are above average at three positions right now. I think left tackle, right tackle, and I'm going to put in uh, Elijah Vera Tucker as well. I think when you go through the PFF rankings of the top 20 guards, they mentioned it really well. The depth at that position is horrendous. There's about five good guards in the NFL, maybe 10 okay ones, and then it's this enormous drop-off. I think Vera Tucker is going to come in and be an above-average guard. So let's say we're above average at three positions, Connor McGovern regresses positively back to the mean and is an average center in 2021. That really only leaves you with one spot you're concerned about. Now, what if Cam Clark takes that leap? I don't think Greg Van Roten's the worst option. So even though I'm a little concerned about right guard, I think they have four players that I'm really sold on and I think can be productive players, especially in this system with wide zone play action and everything that's going to actually help them to improve, not put them in bad situations like we saw in 2020. Scale from one to 10, how happy should Zach Wilson be about this signing? Oh man, it's got to be a nine or a 10. I think when you get a guy who can play at the level of a top 10 tackle and you've come from a system at BYU that has really helped you and you weren't pressured very much, it would have been a huge adjustment coming here and being pressured 34, 35% of the time. So anything the Jets can do to alleviate the pressure off him to make it clean and that transition from college to pro ball easier is going to be a huge win for him. And he now has the insurance of Fant as the backup tackle as well. Last year, you had Shumar Doga being rushed in against New England in games like that. And he looked like a fish out of water. And there was pressures everywhere from both sides of the line when Mackay Becton was out. This is a big win for Zach. Um, if, you can, if you can kind of keep him clean, I think you're going to see relatively good quarterback play for a franchise that's seen some some pretty average play over the last uh, four or five years, if not longer than that. Luke, we talked about the videos that you put up on our YouTube channel. And if you haven't subscribed, please go ahead and do that. One of them is every single pass rush snap of Morgan Moses against TJ Watt. The other is every single pass rush snap of Morgan Moses against Shaq Barrett. And our channel is the only one that has anything like that yet. So I have to really impress upon you the fact that you need to go there right now and watch this if you want to get a feel for what Morgan Moses does against these elite edge rushers. You talked about it a little bit before, but was there anything specifically against each of those two guys that stood out to you negatively or positively? I don't mean in a grand sense. I just mean those specific performances against those two guys. Were there any specific plays that you saw that made you smile or made you frown? On, on the negative, let's talk about with his pass sets, like I mentioned at the top of the show, how he gets pretty good depth and travels well in his first two steps out of his kick step. Sometimes he does that to compensate a lack of speed. So he tries to get to the spot early and prevent uh, TJ Watt from beating him around the corner. There are a couple of times that he turned that into a bull rush and went through his chest. And I went, okay, that's something to note because he's compensating on the outside shoulder and then getting beaten through the middle. It happened a couple of times and there were some QB hits. So that was probably the biggest thing I thought, all right, maybe let's not overpass set, get a little wide in our stance. I saw that once or twice from Morgan Moses. On the positive side, 
I guess you can call it a positive. To me, it is anyway. He wins ugly. Some of the reps you thought, man, that just didn't look very good. But TJ Watt was just negated. There was only four pressures, three or four pressures in that game. And there were a couple of times where you thought, man, he's in trouble. But he replaced his hands and his hand replacement was really good. Occasionally, he got a little wide off the snap. But he managed to work them back into the shoulder pads and then keep moving his feet through contact. That was something I really liked. Um, Against Shaq Barrett, look, it was a really good all-round performance. Against him and Jason uh, Pierre-Paul, I thought that was one of his best games of the season. I've now watched five or six of them. I thought that might have been his very best. Um, I don't know if there's anything that stood out in particular as far as that game. But look, man, this is this is something we haven't seen for the Jets in a long time, competent right tackle play. And man, Morgan Moses, he excites me. I'm so happy that Douglas made this move. And, and Scott, to get it at $3.5 million with incentives, that's incredible value. I think for me, I was expecting 6 or $7 million per year, one or two years. To get him cheaper than that based on playing time incentives, this is a huge win. No question about it. Luke, before we run, though, I got to put you on the spot. Are we going to see some more Morgan Moses videos on our YouTube channel? Because people have been asking for him. They want to see him in those other games against Miles Garrett, for example. Are we going to be able to have that on our YouTube channel? Yeah, for sure. There'll be more Mo- Morgan Moses. Uh, the people want him for sure at the moment. It's a bit of a quiet time in the offseason, so people are hungry for content. Unfortunately, against Cleveland, he didn't have a ton of snaps against Miles Garrett. I did want to do a breakdown specifically on that game, but I'll have some more out there. I think I'm going to look at the running game a little next. I've shown a fair bit of him in pass protection because that's something that I value most important as far as tackle play. But, you know, I'll, I'll try and show some examples of how he can be effective in this outside zone. They may not be the cleanest comparisons to Lafleur's game, but that's the next step for me. And that's what will be coming. A little bit of him in the run game, showing why he's a 83, 84 plus grade with pro football focus in the run game, what he does well and how that will translate. Luke Grant, our man over at playlikeajet.com, also putting up great videos on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. And let's not forget, every Wednesday night, he co-hosts Play Like a Jet live with Clayton Smarslock in conjunction with you, Stadium Luke. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down Morgan Moses' film. Really appreciate it. Those videos are awesome. Make sure that you check them out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And there's going to be more coming up, as Luke just said. Luke, for anybody that wants to check out what you're doing, we know that playlikeajet.com, the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, two places to do it. But also they can check out some stuff that you're saying on Twitter too. So how can they follow you on Twitter and talk to you and interact with you? Yeah, you may or may not want to read it based on based <laughs> on what you think. But I'm at Luke Grant 7 on Twitter. Uh, pop in and say hello. Always try and be pretty active. Discuss some questions. Today I was asking how many wins I thought the Jets were going to get this year. Some cool discussions like that. But most importantly, make sure you're listening to the pod. Make sure you're subscribing. Make sure you're following us over on the YouTube. Uh, the Play Like a Jet family is getting bigger and better. And I can't see what's, uh, what's going to transpire for the rest of this year. No question. One of the biggest reasons for that is the great work that Luke is doing. So make sure that you check it out at playlikeajet.com, the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, Luke and Clayton every Wednesday night live in conjunction with U Stadium and follow Luke at Luke Grant 7 plus of course if you haven't given us a five star review on iTunes yet if you could go ahead and do that for us really appreciate it easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com <laughs>